Good morning. It's a good pleasure to be with you guys this morning. Um, for those of you who've never, uh, who, who don't know who I am, my name is Kainoa Valente. Um, I actually used to be the youth pastor here uh, before I jumped ship and uh, went to the dark side. And uh, I'm now a teacher at Kamehameha Christian School. Uh, one of the classes I teach here at KCS is video production. And I frequently remark to my students about the filmmaking power of the devices in their pockets. When I was a kid, my sister and I would make videos with my mom's Betamax camera. And we had to do all the editing in camera, which meant planning out uh, how we were going to do things, uh, using the record button to make our cuts, and then audio dubbing uh, music into our videos by holding our, our Walkman headphones over the microphone um, to, to get the sound in that way. Later, uh, during my senior year of high school, uh, my friend decided to make a feature film for his creative writing class. Uh, so a bunch of us got together, uh, shirked our studies, because it was the second semester of senior year and we were already all accepted to college, and uh, we helped him make a 90-minute movie uh, that, that earned an A from the teacher after she had watched about 20 minutes of the film. It was a, it was a buddy cop martial arts film, as, as guys are wont to make. Um, and while we were able to do the editing in the computer uh, by digitizing the VHS tapes, when we uh, exported, now they call it, um, our final product, we had to put tapes manually into one deck as the computer dictated, uh, as it recorded the footage onto a second uh, VHS tape in another deck. And, and when it recorded what it needed, then we swapped the tape out, whatever tape the computer said to put in, we put that tape in, it recorded, it asked for the new one. It was a very long and laborious process. Nowadays, you can shoot your footage in 4K, which is four times the resolution of high def, edit your clips together with cool, fancy transitions, add special effects and a soundtrack, and then export your video to YouTube for the entire world to see with a device slightly bigger than a wallet. Now, not only can this device get you into the Sundance Film Festival, if you're creative enough, and yes, there have been films featured at Sundance filmed entirely on iPhones, this device can actually get you to the Sundance Film Festival. How many of you are old enough to remember road atlases? Okay. For those of you who aren't <laughs> millennials, um, they were like Google Maps, but you had to do all the work. Okay. I remember my freshman year of college, uh, a few of us decided to uh, drive from Greeley, Colorado to Los Angeles for spring break. Uh, to meet up with a couple of friends who were going uh, to college there. And so before we left, we bought a, a Rand McNally road atlas. Okay? And we got this atlas, and uh, we studied the maps, bookmarked the pages of the states that we were going to be driving through, because it was all in alphabetical order, and you know, Alaska is not near Arkansas. Um, <laughs> and so we bookmarked the pages that we would need, and then we got out a highlighter, and we highlighted our route, Okay? And then we designated whoever sat shotgun as the navigator. And their job was to make sure that we took the predetermined route. Like I said, Google Maps, but you do all the work. Now, Siri will look at my calendar, see where I need to be and when I need to be there, analyze the traffic patterns to tell me when I need to leave to arrive on time, and then give me step-by-step -step instructions on how to get there. And while this feels slightly invasive of my privacy, which I'm sure I signed away by just clicking OK on the end user license agreement that almost no one bothers to read, um, for the most part, I like using the app to get me where I need to be. Sometimes, I'll even use the app to give me directions uh, to places I already know how to get to, uh, which my son, who's sitting back there, um, 
if he felt brave enough to say it, thinks it's stupid. <laughs> Don't you know how to get to Uncle Derek's house? He'll ask. Yes, but there was a traffic accident on the way there, and Google might give me an alternate route around the traffic. Hmm. Okay. Which is his way of implying, I find your lack of sense disturbing. <laughs> Once, I was driving to work with the Waze app, and uh, it gave me a direction that seemed counterintuitive, so much so that I started arguing with the app uh, in my head so that my kids wouldn't think I was crazy or anything, saying, look, you and I both know I need to go that way, and you are sending me in practically the opposite direction. The arguments, again in my head, would get more heated as the uh, distance to decision quickly approached. I'm driving along, and in a quarter mile, in a quarter mile, I'll still be going straight, in 400 feet. How about you take your 400 feet back to the app store, because you obviously don't know local geography. Take the, all right, this is better work, and take the route. How many of us know what I'm talking about? You're using the GPS to, to get to your location, and you're not entirely sure you should trust the directions they give you. Or maybe it's not even technology. Maybe you're not sure you should trust those, uh, those road signs that detour you off your current route due to construction. How about when it comes to life? How many of us have been going along, knowing where we're going in life, and all of a sudden, something happens? Throws everything into chaos, forcing you down a detour that you never intended to take, that you aren't sure you should take, and wonder if God is still with you as you take it. Or how many of us have a friend or a, or a loved one whose life has gotten off course? and your concern as to whether or not they're going to make it out okay. I want you to know that I got a sense of what you're going through. Earlier this year, I, I joined the Navy Reserve. I uh, graduated from, from boot camp as an honor grad in my division, was getting ready to go to A school in Pensacola, when I had a series of freak medical incidents that led me to, uh, that led to me getting separated uh, from the Navy and off the course that I thought I would be traveling on, wondering, so what now, God? And I'd like to share with you how God's word, the Bible, helped me navigate and is helping me navigate this period in my life. So if you would, please you know, take out your Bible or your Bible app and turn or click with me to Matthew, chapter 2, verse 13 through 23. There is an outline in your bulletin so that you can follow along, which for those of you who have heard me preach before, is an anomaly since I usually just give you a blank space to write your own notes. I'm starting to get my work done early now. <laughs> All right, so we're going to pick up the narrative where Pastor Jerry uh, left off last week uh, after the visit of the Magi. And it says in verse 13, Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night, bless you, and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. So to recap, the Magi from the east had just departed for their own country, taking a different route on the advice of an angel who warned them not to report back to Herod. 
Joseph is then directed by an angel of the Lord in a dream to not go back home, but to take his family down to Egypt uh, to protect Jesus from the murderous aim of King Herod. Matthew then quotes this passage from Hosea as an explanation of the whole scenario, which, upon looking it up, seems like a misquote, because the, the actual quotation is, is referring to the nation of Israel, and it's not what we would identify as a messianic prophecy, you know, a, a passage that foretells the birth of Jesus. Um, so what's really going on here? Well, first, it's important to know a little bit about Matthew and who he is, Besides being a former tax collector, one of the inferences we can make about Matthew is based on how the other gospel writers retell the story of his calling. Mark and Luke tell the exact same story as Matthew, with one minor difference. Instead of referring to the tax collector as Matthew, they refer to the tax collector as Levi. Now, scholars suggest that this is a, a tribal name, that Matthew is a Levite, turned tax collector, which explains not only his antipathy towards the religious leaders whom Jesus encounters during his ministry, but makes sense of his frequent use of the Old Testament in both quotation and allusion. All that to say that if we want to see what Matthew intends for us to see, we need to put on our yarmulkes, put down the gin and tonicas, and look at this narrative through a Jewish worldview. Now, when we do, it becomes immediately clear that Matthew is drawing connections. First, between Jesus and Moses, and second, between Jesus and Israel. The connection to Moses manifests itself in the fact that they were, they were both in danger of being killed uh, by a powerful ruler while infants, and they both were saved uh, by going to Egypt. Uh, Moses from Goshen and uh, Jesus, obviously, from Bethlehem. And this sets up a theme that Matthew's going to carry through his gospel as he portrays Jesus uh, as a new Moses, who instead of leading the people out of bondage in Egypt and giving them the law, fulfills the law and frees the people from the slavery of sin. It is this aspect of fulfillment that makes sense of the quotation from Hosea and makes the connection between Jesus and Israel. In Exodus, as well as the Hosea passage, Israel is identified as God's firstborn son a role in which Israel was to be a holy nation and a kingdom of priests, drawing all the rest of the nations to God, a role in which they failed. Jesus will walk the path of Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness, but where they stumbled, he will succeed and therefore fulfill their vocation, bringing the rest of humanity into the family of God. Now, some might say Matthew made up the account of Jesus going down to Egypt to fit the infancy narratives into this preconceived idea of who he is trying to portray Jesus as. But there is ample evidence for us to consider the account as historical. For our purposes, uh, we're going to look at two sources, both of them hostile uh, to the Christian movement, that corroborate uh, Matthew's testimony. First, we have the Talmud. Uh, the Talmud is a collection of uh, rabbinic thought uh, on the Old Testament and um, you know, the oral tradition. And the Talmud states that Yeshua, which is you know, Jesus in uh, Jewish, Hebrew, <laughs> Yeshua uh, was a magician and learned his skills in Egypt. And Celsus, who's an anti-Christian writer uh, living in the second century, maintained that uh, Jesus was raised as an illegitimate child in Egypt, where he learned miraculous powers that he then used upon returning to Israel uh, to substantiate claims of deity. And as a teacher... I've come to understand the importance 
of setting routines and pointing out patterns uh, to help students learn. And as the master teacher, I believe God used the framework of the life and history of Moses and Israel to draw Matthew's attention to the fact that he was taking humanity in a familiar direction, but he was also doing a new and wonderful thing through the life and work of Jesus. And I think the same could be said uh, to us in our modern day lives, that when we find ourselves on an unfamiliar detour, we can take heart in knowing that God's direction will involve continuity and surprise. God's direction will involve continuity and surprise. And the story continues in verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted, because they are no more. After the Magi failed to uh, return and report to Herod, he realizes he's been duped. And in a fit of fear, has all the male children, two years of age and younger, executed. Now, historically, Herod is recorded as being uh, neurotically paranoid about anyone who would perhaps overthrow him and, and take his throne. And he never hesitated to eliminate his political opponents in dramatic fashion. In addition to executing half of the Sanhedrin, 300 court officers and the remaining members of the Hasmonean dynasty that ruled before him, uh, he also had uh, one of his wives murdered, uh, her mother murdered, and three of his sons murdered for fear of political intrigue. Which is why Caesar Augustus uh, rightly joked that it was better to be a pig than a son in the house of Herod. It was better to be a pig than a son in the house of Herod. Which means it would have been nothing for Herod to order the slaughter of 20 to 30 young boys just to keep his throne. And it's in the midst of this horrific tragedy, this atrocity really, that Matthew quotes to us from, from Jeremiah 31.15. And it's this passage about Jews being, being carried off into exile that, again, doesn't really seem to fit uh, in the context here. That is, until we read further in Jeremiah. And one of the things that we want to do uh, when reading an Old Testament quotation in the New Testament is to not only look up the actual verse, uh, but look at the section that the verse comes from. Uh, especially when we're reading Matthew, because his command and usage of the Old Testament is, is impressive. And when we look at the whole chapter that this passage comes from, we see this passage about the new covenant. And it says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hands to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor, and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. 
Again, in this usage of, of the Old Testament, we see this idea of continuity. But we also see God's faithfulness. Like the exile, the, the murder of innocent children was a tragedy. But where the prophet Jeremiah looked forward, looked ahead to a day long off uh, when God would restore Israel, Matthew sees that new covenant fulfilled now in the life and work of Jesus. And though there is often pain and, and suffering in the detour, God's faithfulness will comfort us in dark times. God's faithfulness will comfort us in dark times. Now, finally, the uh, detour comes to an end in verses 19 through 23. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Now the irony here is rich. The puppet king of the Jews, who had been installed uh, by Mark Antony, tries to kill the true king and ends up dead. By historical standards, the, uh, the turn of fortunes was rather swift. Scholars date the birth of Jesus as to sometime between early 6 BC and late 5 BC. Herod the Great died in 4 BC. And in the last demonstration of his character, uh, Herod ordered his sister and her husband uh, to murder several of the leading Jews uh, in the Hippodrome at Jericho upon his death so that there would be mourning in Israel, if not for him, then at least in general. Now, throughout the story of the Bible, we see the ironic actions of God, who chooses the younger over the older, who makes the childless old man the father of many nations, and who brings death from life. Here we see the continuity of that irony as God conquers a mighty ruler as a little baby. We also see the faithfulness of God, demonstrated in the fact that all along the way, things could have gone very badly for Mary and her young son. Joseph could have divorced her and had her uh, stoned as an adulteress. Herod could have killed the baby in Bethlehem, or the family could have been lost in Egypt. And here in this final section, we see the continuity of God combined with the faithfulness of God, to show us that God's plan will overcome the opposition. God's plan will overcome the opposition. And Joseph is given orders in two dreams. In one dream, he's told that it is safe to return to Israel. In the second, to go and live in Nazareth. And I believe it's here, in the concept, and uh, uh, the example that's set in the pattern of Joseph, that can help us apply this concept uh, in our own lives. See, for those of us who feel like we're off course, that our lives have taken a detour that we never intended to take, we need to know that, even when life seems to indicate otherwise, detours cannot derail the plans of God. If there's nothing that you get from me today, except for this one thing, this is it. Okay? Even when life seems to indicate otherwise, detours cannot derail the plans of God. And because of that, we need to respond the same way that Joseph did, in humble expectation of a word from God. 
Now, throughout chapter 2, we get the sense that, that Joseph is a simple man who wants to do the right thing, even when life throws him curveball after curveball after curveball. And what does he do? He goes forward with what he knows and is open and attentive to the word of God because he knows that God is faithful, even when it seems as if he delays. So if that's you, and that's where I feel I'm at, I want you to take heart that, that even if you don't know how long you're going to be on this detour, and for Mary and Joseph, it was a few years, God is consistent. God is faithful. And God's plan for you will overcome any opposition you encounter if you just keep going forward with what he's given you so far, standing by for any future orders or course corrections that may come your way. And for those of us with a friend or a loved one who needs to come back home this Christmas, to get off the detour and get back on track, I believe the same principle applies. God is consistent, God is faithful, and God's plan will overcome the opposition. Keep the light on by prayerfully loving the person, which is what God's given you and I to do anyway. One of the ways that you could do that is invite your loved one to Christmas service this, this week. And after stepping out with the basics, stand by for future orders from God that, that might help you uh, convince a course correction for your loved one. Trust me. You'd be surprised at what the patient prayers of God's people can do. You can ask my tutu sitting right there if you need a story on that one. And perhaps you're on this detour in life because there is someone out there who has lost their way. As I mentioned earlier, one of the classes that I teach here at KCS is video production. And one of the reasons I got into video production is because I love movies. And uh, one of my favorite uh, classic holiday movies uh, is Die Hard. And <laughs> but don't worry, I'm not going to show a clip from that movie because I'd like to still be employed on Monday. <laughs> one of the classic holiday movies, even if it's a different holiday, is uh, Planes, Trains, and Airplanes, uh, starring Steve Martin and John Candy. Now, Martin plays an uh, advertising executive, while uh, John Candy plays a traveling salesman. And they're both trying to get from New York City uh, to Chicago to be home in time for Thanksgiving. Now, due to a blizzard, the plane is diverted to Wichita, and the, the pair try various means of transportation to, to get back home to Chicago, ergo the title, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Now, Martin basically plays the straight-laced, uptight uh, exec who is constantly exasperated uh, by the somewhat bumbling John Candy. Now, I'm going to show you a clip. And before I continue, I should probably say, spoiler alert. But since the movie came out 30 years ago, I don't think any of you can fault me. It's not like I'm going to tell you that, that Ray dies in the new Star Wars film or anything. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen the movie. I don't know. Maybe you feel like you're on a detour. Or maybe you think that someone you love has gone slightly off track. I want you to remember that even when life seems to indicate otherwise, detours cannot derail the plans of God. And in fact, those detours might be the plan of God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we can come... Uh, this place uh, as a family to, to worship you and to hear from your word. We pray that uh, you've spoken to us today, that you've given us something to go forward on, um, that wherever we are in life, whether we're on track, off course, or 
You can't tell the difference. I pray that you've given us something that we can just take one step with. We thank you that you choose not to leave us alone, that you're faithful, that you're consistent, and that your plans overcome the opposition. They overcame the opposition that was sin in our lives and gave us life. And so we lift that up in thanksgiving. In your name, Jesus. Amen.